The first day of a retreat is uh, interesting, to say the least, and not always easy. And so I wonder if we can begin this part of our day together by just having some appreciation. If you can bring some appreciation for yourself. And if you can perhaps also bring some appreciation for uh, those here with you. So if you're online, you can look at the those on the screen. If you're here and you wish to, you can look around. Remember, remind yourself of who else is here and of the fact that this is very much a personal journey, but it's also a journey of community. And so I want to really acknowledge, honor, bow down to have a community of support and of practice that is unfolding here. Takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of honesty, to keep showing up. I'm also going to apologize on behalf of my um, throat, my voice. Might not be the pleasantness of Vedana's as we unfold the talk today. And in the spirit of community, we may even get to a point where I need to move aside and Nathan needs to take over. So if that happens, you know, great. Yeah. You have something to tell your friends about after the retreat. Yeah, and I also really hope that my um my my mind will also be up to to this. Uh let's see. It's, it's kind of a bit fun to be able to blame the cold for any unclarity that may ensue, you know. It's not me, it's conditions. So yeah, showing up to meet our experience, that's very much what we've been doing today. Just showing up moment by moment again and again, meeting the more pleasant moments, the more unpleasant uh, moments, everything that's in between. You may have noticed there's a lot in between a lot of the neither nor remembering as we show up that um, experience is shaped by what we're paying attention to and how these are the two threads of our practice it doesn't matter what practice we're doing what are we paying attention to and how you know what's the quality what's the atmosphere of that attention And so we've been um, gradually getting more familiar, more interested in that aspect of experience. We've been turning more or less, depending on um, where you were with the practice today, to that aspect of Vedana, becoming more familiar with it. I'll just remind again what that funny word means, Vedana, that unconscious unintentional 
categorization of experience. It's unconscious, it's unintentional. Sense contact and uh, pleasant, unpleasant, not particularly one or the other. And you may have noticed, and there's also a very, I'm not going to go into it today, but I have to say, there's also a very like a whisper of, for me. Yeah, it's unpleasant for me. Yeah. We come, you know, to the toilet. We want to go to the toilet and there's a queue. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's an unpleasant Vedana for me. Yeah. And here's the kind of what we pay attention to. We can start playing with it. Yeah. How's the Vedana of the person who's next to go in? Yeah. Yeah, we can start playing with it. So that's the kind of for me we can start to see. There's, it's got that. Uh, self-referential aspect. And hopefully what we're starting to see or what we will see as the retreat unfolds and the practice unfolds is that, you know, kind of because of this pleasant, unpleasant for me, Vedana holds the seed or is a building block of reactivity. And that we actually don't need to follow that journey, yeah, follow that trajectory from something being pleasant or unpleasant to a kind of adding reactivity to that potential for reactivity, putting more pressure onto the experience. And we may also be beginning to see that kind of the reactivity, that energy, that process of reactivity um, is really closely connected to dukkha. This other word that we've been using, that um, ill-being. Thich Nhat Hanh translates it as ill-being, the opposite of well-being. That's my favorite translation. That whole range of the kind of, um, from the slightly uncomfortable to the uh, kind of stress and distress of our lives. That whole range. Uh, Maybe we're starting to see the relationship between reactivity and dukkha. So some ways uh, we can look at the practice today is um, we can see it as, you know, what we've been doing is decreasing reactivity and decreasing that momentum of reactivity, which is such a strong um, pattern for us. Just a little bit or a lot, decreasing the reactivity. We've also, another way of looking at what we've been doing is that we've been increasing uh, the sense of agency, the sense of possibility of how we can meet, of what we can do, of the fact that we can meet experience, even if in that moment it's like, uh, unpleasant Vedana, what do I do? But we somehow still remember, ah, there's possibilities here, something we can do. Possibilities of um, skillful ways Um, of relating to our experience. And one of these skillful ways, and came up in one of the groups, but also kind of was kind of in the background today, was this kind of cultivation of patience. If you remember um, in the guided practice this morning, Nathan used this line, it's like this now. It's like this now. Whatever the this is, It's a little bit cold, it's a little bit sleepy, it's a little bit restless. 
it's really delicious. If you made the perfect cup of tea. And it's like this now. Just cultivating that patience to meet uh, what is arising in experience without feeding further um, reactivity. So I want to give an example of that, which, you know, may have happened to someone, at least, in the hall today. Um, So say you were meditating in here at some point today, and um, one of us was sitting up here at the front. And there was some discomfort in the body or restlessness in the body, the mind, um, which had an unpleasant Vedana. And if you paid attention at the time, or you can also kind of reflect back now and see it, there may have been in that process of, ah, this is boring, or my body's restless, or my mind is restless, opposite of patience, (laughs) impatience. When is that bell going to ring? Anyone had that experience today? Had that thought, when is that bell going to ring? Is it going to ring? And so we can notice that, you know, from that unpleasantness or the pleasantness, because we may be kind of really fixated on that pleasant moment when the bell rings and all that tension goes, whatever the Vedana is, the kind of fixation on that moment when the bell is going to ring and bring some relief. Yeah. It's impatience that builds up. Yeah, there's reactivity that builds up. There's dukkha um, that builds up. And it's interesting because we can say that impatience yeah, feeds a sense of time, right? When we're waiting for the bell to ring, it seems like time isn't moving, right? It's not happening. Builds a sense of time. Time gets built up in a way that creates more dukkha, that creates more distress, more suffering. Does that make sense as an example to people? Yeah. And so what are other possibilities? How do we actually use this and say, ah, I'm cultivating patience. What even happens if we remember that? Oh, there's this, ah, if only the bell would ring. Yeah. Ah, I'm cultivating patience. We rest back. It's only an unpleasant Vedana of this moment right now, of just sitting here with whatever is there, you know, just a restless mind or an uncomfortable body. Just an unpleasant Vedana. Yeah. Can we kind of see uh, as we relax into that, no, we're not escalating, we're not building more time, more reactivity, more dukkha. And this this can get now I have to apologize. I get sometimes quite excited when I speak about Vedana and I can see it coming. So if it looks ridiculous, just enjoy it. Yeah. It's a ridiculous person getting really excited about something that, you know, sounds really weird. Yeah. So 
an interesting thing we can see in that example is that Vedana, part of the reactivity that it leads to is because it's predictive in nature. It's not only talking about this moment, it's also, going, it's also talking about how things will unfold. So, you know, it may be that in this moment there's some discomfort and I'd like the bell to ring, yeah. But the unpleasant Vedana is predicting that this is going to become unbearable, yeah, before the bell rings. But actually in this moment it is bearable. Yeah? It's predicting that it will become unbearable or pain in the body, yeah? whatever it is. Or, yeah, the pleasant Vedana of what I'm looking forward to, yeah, the bell ringing, the cup of tea, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, the, the warm room, my warm bedroom after this very freezing hall, whatever it is, that sense of, um, you know, the predicted pleasantness, check in your experience often, <laughs> it's much higher than the actual experience. But it's already predicting, yeah. What's going to happen? It's really interesting, and that kind of is what part of what builds the reactivity. Um, if we go back to the bell example, this is you know pretty guaranteed that it will happen again <laughs> in the next few days of retreat. Just notice, yeah, if we really there's a sense of ah oh, that moment when the bell will, will ring, you know that is going to be bliss. Pay attention to what happens. Yeah, pay attention to what happens when it rings. How long does that relief last? And what becomes possible there? Often, you may notice that once the bell rings and that tension eases off, can actually stay in practice longer. Because we're no longer waiting for something to happen. So it can be really interesting to see that. And so to see it in the experience and to be interested in what that reveals. What that reveals, that's kind of, we're always interested in the insight that is revealed from our experience. And so some of the insights that are revealed here are that um, dukkha, the experience of stress, distress, what we don't like, is constructed, it's built. doesn't just kind of arise independently of its building blocks, of causes and conditions that contribute towards it. So dukkha is constructed and built, and Vedana is one of the building blocks of dukkha. That simple, unconscious categorization, one of the building blocks of dukkha. So let's look at how. Yeah. So Nathan, I think, mentioned, uh, I think it was last night, you know, that when there's contact through the senses, there's a Vedana with that contact. Yeah. So we hear something, we see something, we smell something, taste something, we contact something through the body sense or through the mind. Yeah. These are all our, in Buddha Dharma, six sense doors. There's contact, and with that contact, there's a Vedana. So something's pleasant, I want it, I like it, I need it, it escalates. Something unpleasant, the opposite. I 
don't like it. I don't want it. I need to get rid of it. I can't live with this. Yeah, I can't stay with this for one more moment. And so the Vedana escalates into um, what we call tanha. I think it was mentioned yesterday. You don't need to remember all these Pali words. The push-pull, yeah, the grasping on and the pushing away onto experience. Yeah, that's an escalation of the Vedana. And that continues to escalate until it brings more and more dukkha with it. And um, I need to give an example. I like to give examples of this, but it's really helpful to see. So, you know, maybe um, we're doing our, our walking practice and suddenly, you know, the thought comes up in the mind, cup of tea. If there's a temple in Gaia House, it's the tea-making area. That's where we all go. So, you know, cup of tea, the thought arises in the mind. Yeah, that's the contact. Contact through the sense door, yeah, thought. And that has a pleasant Vedana. So, ooh, cup of tea, nice. Yeah, or coffee if you prefer. And then the kind of that doesn't stay there. It becomes, oh, you know, I wonder if I'll have that tea or that tea. Uh, I really would like, you know, if they had loose leaf, like I'm not really into tea bags anymore. Um, we see the proliferation, the, the kind of the building up of the, oh, and I want it and I love it and I need it right now. Yeah, right now. Right now, and the kind of sense of the grasping on, grasping on, the wanting that uh, right now. And it's a, it's a really light example. <laughs> yeah. But how many times in our lives do we find ourselves, without making a conscious decision, yeah, leaving the walking practice, which was actually pretty good, yeah, and finding ourselves in the tea-making area, you know? Just about to, to go there. And so this is a really small example. You say, well, what's the dukkha in that? You know, the non-alignment with our aspirations, the being moved by that push-pull, by that um, sense of um, tension. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps, you know, if that really wasn't a conscious decision, then the feeling bad about ourselves, but that's what we did. We didn't stay with the practice. And then that can kind of uh, start off a whole other chain. So Vedana as a a building block of dukkha, when it goes unattended, it's not inherent in the Vedana. Things are pleasant and unpleasant, neither nor, you know, that's just something that happens. Natural unfolding. When it goes unattended, it can build up, uh, reactivity build up um, our dissatisfaction with with ourselves and with our lives. So when we see this and understand it, and like all insights, you know, we need to see this many times, many times, and with through that lens of kindness. You now this is human. It's not particular to you, this process. It's human. But when we understand, when we see, we can apply 
this understanding and that opens up possibilities of freedom opens up possibilities of freedom for us and so kind of what possibilities of freedom we've also already mentioned yeah a way of looking such as patience yeah, invites us to meet what is here with less reactivity yeah so that kind of thought of a cup of tea comes and we can enjoy that sense of ah yes tea i like it and then i come back to the practice yeah recognizing the vedana and relaxing with yeah relaxing with it um that supports noticing what else is here ah this moment of breathing or this footstep or this contact with the earth or this quietness that is here that's really precious this is what i came here for yeah we may have that sense of ah now we notice the push-pull and we learn how to um kind of de uh, to unhook ourselves from it you know, we don't need to always follow it because there's small things and there's bigger things yeah, in our lives. And this um, pattern, yeah, this pattern of escalation is common to, to many of them. So just that capacity to say, ah, it's like this now. I'm a little bit cold or then my knee hurts a little bit, yeah? Or I don't like brown rice, you know? doesn't matter what it is, you know, it's just, ah, it's like this now. Yeah, it's like this now. Noticing the push-pull and unhooking. It's such a doorway to freedom. So as we practice, this is one thing we're doing. And another thing that we are, another skill, another a capacity that we're cultivating and developing is a possibility to find ease with all Vedanas. So not to be limited to only being at ease, to only finding well-being with a pleasant range of Vedana, because we cannot control completely, fully. Now you get sick, we Age is another thing I'm experiencing right now. You know, these are human conditions. You can't avoid them completely. And so kind of developing the capacity to find ease with different Vedanas, with all Vedanas, that's really, really beautiful strength that we can have an inclusive way of relating. Something's just unpleasant. That's what it is. I remember someone once coming to me on retreat when we were doing the Vedana practice. I often um, quote them, you know, and they say to me, oh, wow, you know, I've been practicing for like 10 years. And suddenly I realized that unpleasant can simply be unpleasant. It doesn't need to be more than that. And of course, we practice on the small weights yeah, of the tickles and the itches and the slight discomforts in the body so that we can cultivate that capacity for bigger things. But that freedom, the unpleasant is just unpleasant. doesn't need to become more than that. 
And so as we kind of, you know, direct our practice in that way, you know, uh, inclusive of all Vedanas, more subtlety of experience also opens up, and that's also something that we'll be exploring. And that experience can be, we can tune into more subtle layers than the ones that we usually see. And Vedana is a subtle layer of our experience. So Vedana is habitual, it's automatic, it happens, yeah, this labeling of things. And when it's unseen, unrecognized, unremembered, it escalates uh, into reactivity and dukkha. And we can say the kind of the opposite to that reactivity, the freedom is non-reactivity or responsiveness, responding to our experience. So we're still engaging with it, but with intention, with clarity, with wisdom, with compassion. So these wisdom and compassion often spoken about as the two wings of the practice and love it in the hall nowadays, we've got the embodiments, got compassion here, Guan Yin, on my left, hopefully I'm not hiding her, them, and the Buddha on the right, and they're the embodiment of uh, wisdom. So these two wings, you know, that wisdom that we can bring to how we meet experience, that seeing how I'm paying attention matters, what I'm paying attention to matters. That's a wisdom lens. That wisdom lens that says, ah, there's a Vedana here. And it can be uh, a kind of a, a, um, a place to come to that de-escalates yeah, or stops the escalation into dukkha. That can be a, a good resting place for attention. That wisdom that remembers Vedana isn't fixed, dukkha isn't fixed. Yeah, there's something we can do. Even if it's very, very small, even if we don't know what it is, you know, I, I come back to that because it's so important. So since uh, there is a possibility here, even if right now I'm not aware, I'm not sure what it is, but just staying with that, that already opens up the space. Compassion that reminds us not to take things personally. This doesn't mean that, you know, if I'm, if I'm suffering right now, it's not, I'm not a bad person. Not a bad meditator. This is human. How do I hold that? The compassion that is that wish, that aspiration to grow in wisdom and compassion beyond our conditioning, beyond our habits. The compassion that kind of encouraging us to hold our experience, to hold ourselves, to hold each other with care with kindness. These are all there and we can tune into these qualities as we navigate, as we attend to our experience. And again, what does that bring when we bring in a lens of wisdom, when we bring in the care of compassion, less escalation, less reactivity, less dukkha. It's always kind of what we're attuning towards. 
working towards I'm aware it's a lot of words already. Let's just pause for a moment. Breathe and feel into our body. Notice if there's any compassion, care that we can bring to our experience right now. So I want to just open out another uh, layer of experience that is worth um, shining a light on. And this is particular forms of reactivity in dukkha that we notice when we meditate. Um, They are not, or when we pay attention, they're not, um, they don't arise only in meditation. (laughs) It seems like that sometimes. Yeah, but it's just with these conditions, we notice them. And they're called, um, just to say, we're going to relate to them as forms of reactivity, forms of dukkha. Um, In the tradition, they're called hindrances. Yeah, five hindrances. Um, And I'm I'm just going to touch on them lightly and then bring in the Vedana lens of how we can work with them through that lens of Vedana. And so the, the five hindrances, uh, we can see them as um, two of them are uh, desire and aversion. Yeah? So that push and pull on experience. I want this, I don't want that. Yeah? I'm going to reach out for that and grab hold of it and try and make it last. I'm going to push that away, try and get rid of it. Yeah? So aversion yeah, towards some things, the unpleasant range, desire for what we perceive as pleasant. Um, The next two of the hindrances are uh, what we often refer to as the imbalance of calm and energy. There's too much energy, we experience restlessness. Anyone experienced restlessness today in body or mind? Come on, let's see some hands. Anyone experience restlessness? Yes. Yeah. So that's one side of the imbalance. And the other end of the spectrum is um, too little energy in the system. Anyone experience that? Dullness, tiredness, this. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I I usually say this, but one of my friends calls this saying yes to life. just turns it on its head doesn't it like from like this really unpleasant involuntary thing to ah saying yes to life so we can see this yeah imbalance of energy too much or too little so restlessness or dullness um, and low energy on the other side and the fifth one is doubt yeah that sense of confusion Um, I don't know what to do. I don't want to do it. Um, The teachers don't know what they're doing. That's obvious. Yes, you found us out already. Um, The teachings are not for me. I'm not for this. Uh, The whole range. Yeah, I should come back after um, I've gotten a more flexible body. Uh, I should come back in the summer. 
um, you know, these are all forms of doubt and these kind of thoughts that we may have had uh, that we find ourselves in. And so these, as I said, really helpful to recognize them, you know, ah, these are common human forms of reactivity that arise and dukkha that arise in the human heart and mind, not personal to any of us. They arise, they're part of the territory. We want to get to know them. We want to get to know how to respond to them, how to work with them um, skillfully. And one useful way of doing that is to see them as um, asking for uh, resolution, asking to be resolved, which is a beautiful, beautiful language. Yeah, gotten rid of, yeah, resolved, which um, literally means to be loosened, yeah, or disentangled. So kind of what they do to us is they cause contractedness, right? And a sense of entanglement. Think about when you're tired or when you're restless or you're kind of really obsessed by that desire for the bell to ring or the aversion to your body, heart, mind experience in the moment, which is why you want the bell to ring. Yeah, all of those. What does it feel like? Limited, yeah, contracted, entangled. It shapes, colors our experience. And it's possible to resolve, to move from that um, contraction, entanglement, and reactivity to an intimacy with experience that allows responsiveness. And so there's different ways of doing that. You know, today, um, I think in both of the guided meditations, there was this invitation to respond with the breath to the imbalances of energy. I don't know if you remember that. If you're feeling tired, breathe in a way that energizes. If you're feeling restless, breathe in a way that soothes. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you remember it or not. Yeah, you may now remember it the next time. Yeah, so that's a response to the experience. Um, and <coughs> it, <coughs> excuse me, and it really points to this fine line when we're working with our experience between the habitual reactivity, which is okay, I'll breathe in a way that kind of gets rid of this restlessness. Yeah push away to something that has more curiosity, more gentleness, more playfulness in it. I said, oh, what if I breathe like that? How does that respond? Yeah. How does that respond? We can also attend with the Vedana and say, ah, this experience of aversion or desire, of restlessness or um, dullness or tiredness, What's the Vedana here? And what happens when we pay attention to the Vedana? One is we bring interest to something that we're habitually just pushing away, trying to get rid of. Uh, What's the Vedana? And then maybe I can station myself at that Vedana. Maybe there's aversion um, to a sound or to the temperature or to a body sensation. I can either be with the Vedana of the aversion, or I can be with the Vedana of the sense contact, yeah. of that initial um, thing in the body or in the environment that the aversion is directed to. Yeah. So we can start to see the Vedana isn't just in one place. That's yeah. part of why it's so powerful. Yeah. You can always meet it um, 
and some level. And so it's possible to cultivate this letting go of our entanglement and reactivity. And if we remember, Vedana leads to push-pull, to clinging, to grasping, to aversion, to this struggle with experience, trying to get things, trying to get rid of them. When we notice, this is restlessness. What's the Vedana? This is desire. What's the Vedana? When we notice the Vedana of the kind of, you know, the agitation in the body or the painful sensations in the body, and we relax with that. It's like this now. Yeah. It's like this now. Unpleasant is just unpleasant. Pleasant is just pleasant. We're not adding the layers. We're not building more into it. And so if we go back to that bell ringing example, and really like, I find that such a good example because I think we've all been there and probably will be again. And that sense of I need the bell to ring now, now. And sometimes it really feels like that. And then what would it be like to just say, ah, this is just an un pleasant Vedana, and can I relax with that? There's no tragedy here. Nothing's going to happen if, you know, the teacher at the front has fallen asleep and will end up sitting for an hour and a half, which surely that's what's been, uh, that's what's happened already. Is that going to be a tragedy? No. And what are the skills that I'm cultivating as I relax with it? So Nathan mentioned, I think, yesterday that sometimes um, we call Vedana the get-out-of-jail card, you know, like Monopoly. One of our nephews used to love Monopoly when he was younger, so we played a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of it. And like, you know, do you remember that joy when you get the get-out-of-jail card out of the pile? So that's Vedana. It can help us to resolve. It can ha- help us to disentangle. Yeah, if we remember it, and remembering it is a skill. Yeah, to remember and to relax with it. To remember that I don't need to follow this pattern of conditioning and reactivity. I don't need to follow it. I will some of the time. That's okay, but I'm learning something else. We're learning something else. The teaching sometimes this path is spoken of as the path of going against the stream. And going against the stream of our conditioning, of human conditioning, of human patterns. This is one of the places where we can see it. Going against the stream. The stream. Don't need to follow this. And recognize the hindrance and stay at the Vedana. And that can open up possibilities of response, yeah? Open up more possibilities. And so we notice, yeah, aversion, yeah, or desire, and we stay with that. And we pay attention to the Vedana of that. And we allow it, and we let it go. We're shifting the attention from the object yeah, 
that we habitually go to, to something else. Yeah, remember the beginning of the talk, and we've said it from the beginning? Experience is shaped by what we pay attention to and how. So when we shift from the aversion, shift the attention from the aversion to the Vedana, that is a major shift. We're paying attention to something else. We're paying attention in a way that does not feed escalation, reactivity, and dukkha. And so this is a way of working with the hindrances. I hope that's clear. It's not, um, it's not kind of one of the classical ways that are often spoken about, but it's a way that we can use the Vedana practice with the hindrances, with these you know, desire, aversion, too much energy, too little energy, and also um, with doubt. Yeah. It particularly, the, the kind of noticing the Vedana works with the first four hindrances and supports the building of faith yeah, to overcome doubt. Because what doubt does is it kind of knocks us off center. Yeah. Knocks us off center. And we had a beautiful example of that in the question and response today, which I'm going to quote. Yeah. I was saying, ah, yeah, someone was saying, you know, I can um, work with unpleasant sensations in the body up to a certain degree. Yeah. And then I can work, I can allow, I can be with the Vedana of that. But then um, if it gets, if it's an unknown pain or it gets too much, I get swept up. And that's a form of doubt. And then I think this is going to be a really, really bad thing. Or I can't do this. Forms of doubt. But if I remember, I can work with that niggle. I can work with that tickle. Yeah. I know how to work with that pain that I'm familiar with. That supports the faith to then say, okay, this is doubt. Because I'm coming to a territory that's beyond what I'm used to. I can take that faith of what I know and use it to support me to stay here with this and find the appropriate response. What's the appropriate response here? How do I expand what I know? Or how do I attend to it with compassion and care? Yeah. It can be different questions. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. So when we see uh, what we're doing works here, yeah, we can build up on that faith to also uh, meet doubt, which is in a way at the root of all the hindrances. It's the fuel for all of them. Yeah. Because it says to us, you can't do this yeah, in some way. You don't know how to meet this. And then we say to it, yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do, because we've met that. Yeah. We've got something that we can build up from and on. So this whole practice, this whole journey, sometimes we can talk about it as, you know, upgrading the ways we can work with experience. We're learning more skills. We're cultivating more capacity. From a sense of struggling with experience to curiosity, to welcoming experience, to letting it be, and to letting it go. Now, these are upgrades. 
more well-being, less struggle. You know, I'm having, I think we've been joking about it a lot, but you know, the last, um, it's been a long time now, already 10 days or something, a lot of opportunities, you know, just a bad cold, but low energy and croaky voice and a lot of coughing and sneezing, that's getting better, you may have noticed. Um, That's an opportunity, not struggling, here, yeah, teaching, there's a sense of, ah, I need to do this. I need to do this. Yeah. And it's like, relax, <laughs> yeah. Relax. Not struggling with the low energy, but being curious. Here's a Vedana. There's unpleasantness in the body. There's unpleasantness in the mind, because I'd like to have a lot of energy when I'm teaching. But that's not what's here. How do I work with that? And can bring the curiosity, we can bring the kindness into the lens. What is it like? What is this moment of experience like? And this moment, and this moment. And what is possible? What is possible? And, you know, there's already faith because it's not the first time that I've been ill in my life. Yeah. And so there's already faith, and it's just about ah, the remembering. Unpleasant Vedana, not ideal Vedana. And yet this is where it is. This is how it is. How do I respond to it well? That's the question. Not with pressure, not with reactivity, with curiosity. So important. Gentle curiosity and interest. What is possible? And that movement from contraction to an uh, an entanglement, you know, that we can feel in the body to less contraction and more possibilities, more freedom of movement, more freedom of response. Letting things be. Letting them be and letting them go in their time. And so that's what we will be practicing tomorrow. A sense of possibility to cultivate ease with all Vedanas. Letting them come, letting them be, letting them go. As a kind of further deepening um, of our practice together. So here comes the pleasant Vedana of the end of the talk. Wait for it. Don't miss it. Enjoy it. So let's have a moment of blessed silence together to bring this to a close. May our practice together open 
possibilities of freedom for each of us and all of us. May our practice together be of benefit, support the welfare of all beings everywhere. So thank you for your listening and your presence and your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.